Well, good morning, Veritas. Good to be with you guys this morning. This morning's a little bit different uh, for us uh, this morning. We're going to do something a little differently, and it's a special time for us as a church. Uh, being in the Iowa City area, being in a college community, uh, this, is a, this is a different kind of place because something happens um, every, every weekend this exact time. Uh, it's, you know, a time of transition, right? A lot of people that are going to be uh, maybe some people graduating, uh, some people moving on, some people going on summer mission trips, uh, some people finishing residency or moving on to the next thing. I'm just curious from the crowd, how many of you would say um, for you, this is, a, this is a time of transition of some kind, like you're, um, you're finishing something, graduating, uh, maybe moving, but it's it's some kind of a transitional time, or you're even just stepping in your new. So, uh, what what? How many of you would say, yeah, it's kind of a transition time? Yeah, a lot of students like, um, yeah, totally, big part of our church, and that's the thing. Um, I've often described uh, being a pastor of a church in in this area as like. It's like trying to raise your family in an airport terminal. You know, you're, you're uh, there, you're sitting next to someone for like four-hour layover, but only it's four years, and, uh, and then pretty soon they, they're like, okay, got to go, you know, and they're, someone's calling their name, you know, Rose, this, whatever, section this, and, and they're like, oh, great to, great to meet you, and, and we have this incredible opportunity to, to uh, intersect lives, and, and we have this this is uh, the mission and vision of Veritas, is to reach the next generation. And, and some of you guys are transitioning on. So, so this weekend is huge, because next weekend, like, a lot of you won't be here. You're going somewhere over the summer or whatever. Um, or for good, you're moving on. So here's the thing. This morning, we want to just take a moment and look back and say, what has God done this year and in our church. And then we also realize we're at a bit of a fork in the road, which, which we'll explain here in a little bit. As a church, we're at a fork in the road as to what's ahead for us. And so this morning, uh, we're just calling it Vision Sunday. We wanna see what Jesus sees and just, and just ask him to be our vision, okay? So as a church, so transitional time. So here's one of the things for us as a church where we're at a fork in the road, God has done amazing things as we look back. And so let's look back, not on just the year, but uh, on the last 13 years real quick. So where were we 13 years ago? We had just uh, planted Veritas Church. We were a church meeting in Hotel Vetro. Salt Company was meeting in a bar downtown, Blue Moose, not even there anymore. Uh, so that, that's where we were, you know, a couple hundred people, maybe 20 kids and a handful of staff, six staff. Fast forward eight years, 2018, we moved into this building, October of 2018, and, and the church by that time had grown in that eight years, uh, 600 people, 100 kids, 12 staff, and, uh, and it was great. Um, how many of you were here like in the hotel days, like before we had the building? Okay, um, some of you. Okay, now how many of you are like since 2018, you're kind of new here or within the last five years. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, yeah. So we built a building. God's, you know, been drawing people. It's amazing. So then fast forward to now. Okay. Here's, here's the, the fork in the road we're at. Uh, this church has basically exploded, right? Uh, exploded sounds bad. Like it's just debris everywhere. Um, has grown. We've grown. The church has grown. 
1,200 ish. On Easter Sunday, we had over 2,300 people here in the four services, all um, 250 kids, about, and 45 staff. That reflects the growing ministry that's happening. It's, it's phenomenal what God is doing. Just amazing, isn't it? Isn't it cool? And, and you guys have people getting baptized, people getting saved. Here's the thing. As a leadership team, though, we're at a fork in the road because we're asking the question, what do we do? We have outgrown our little building that we built in 2018. And so we've been praying. We've been asking God. We've been talking about what do we do? What is the next step for us. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about this morning. And Jeff, I want you to come up and talk about, um, and, and we're going to have Jeff and Travis here in a second, um, as, as we think about looking back and looking ahead to where God has us. But um, Jeff, I'd love for you to just share um, the first point of kind of what we're doing. Here's, here's how we're preparing for what's next. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to stay focused on what God has called us to do. And uh, I wonder if you would just unpack this a little bit. So let's, uh, yeah, turn our attention to the word. So it was, it was really fun as Mark and I were talking about all this. I, I just went back and started rereading the book of Acts and the parallels between how God began the very first church and how he continues to build his church are pretty uncanny because when you open to the book of Acts, you've got a group of Christ followers, a pretty small group. They all knew each other's names, and they are cowering together in a rented room, praying and praying, because they have no idea what's coming next. But there's a promise from the risen Jesus Christ just ringing in their ears. So in, in Acts 1, that's the scene, but the, the words of Jesus are these, oh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So they go from this cowering, just praying, what's going to happen, to you turn the page in Acts, and sure enough, the Holy Spirit comes, and this cowering, you know, kind of a, a afraid group of people, the Holy Spirit comes on them, Peter begins to preach the gospel of Jesus, and then, I love this, so those who accepted Peter's message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. So you guys, you just have to step back into those pages and think, what kind of chaos would this have been? You go from this little band of people that know each other's names, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit does something unbelievable. 3,000 people at once, you know, and then they all want to get baptized. So can you imagine Peter standing there like, okay, everybody, queue up. Can you just get in a line? Can you, Andrew, get control out there? Whatever, you know, like everybody's just, and then we were just actually in this study tour uh, of Israel and Greece, and in Israel, they had all these little pools all around the temple grounds for people to do a ceremonial washing called a mikvah, and I think probably he was just like, all right, everybody just get baptized, and so everybody's just getting in, and who knows who's doing the baptizing or whatever, but this beautiful chaos uh, begins to take shape, but here's what I love about the book of Acts, you guys. It goes from this just beautiful chaos because the Holy Spirit is doing something supernatural and people are responding, just flying in, into the church. In fact, it says, and then from that moment, every day more people just kept getting added into the church. But here's what Luke does in telling the story in the book of Acts. He goes from the masses and the thousands and the chaos and all that to all of a sudden drawing our attention to this story 
and that story. And so you start reading, you start turning these pages, you get Stephen and Philip, and then you've got uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, and you've got Tabitha, and you've got uh, Cornelius and Lydia, right? And so you go from seeing all these to these individual beautiful stories. So that's kind of what I want to do just in the last couple minutes that I have here is, uh, yes, God has been doing extraordinary things, people pouring in here to hear the gospel. But I want to tell just one of those stories, and it has to do with uh, Austin Claver. Okay, so here is Austin Claver, big high school stud, right? And he, he's just lost, thinks he's a big deal. Sorry, Austin. But makes his way to the University of Iowa campus where he encounters Mikey Stewart. And Mikey all of a sudden latches onto him. I was just talking to Mikey about your story, Austin, out in the foyer. Uh, Austin even would describe himself as headstrong and stubborn, right? And Mikey would say, yes, he was. So anyway, they, they get hooked up. And Mikey just begins to pour into Austin and preach the gospel to him. And so the next picture is Austin ends up giving his life to Christ. This is the day of his baptism when his parents came to see him get baptized to testify, I, I'm no longer running, I'm a follower of Jesus. From there, if you go to the next picture, uh, all of a sudden we've got him discipling youth. And so even, see the guy with the Iowa football shirt, Max, he baptized him, he baptized Caleb, he baptized, but so now all of a sudden Austin goes from hearing the word to turning around and, and preaching the gospel to others, and so it starts the youth program there, and then we go to the next one, because there's this church up in Dubuque that has started, this fledgling little, again, they're cowering in a basement, you know, in fact, they're listening in and viewing this morning, hey, Dubuque. Um, so we start sending Austin up because he starts gathering yet in a whole nother city and a whole nother university, and here's these college students coming to Christ and getting baptized, which takes us to the, the next picture, because watch this. This is Austin baptizing his mother just about a week ago. Okay, so get this. On the study tour, Austin decides to bring his mom. She gives her life to Christ as I'm opening the Bible on the Mount of Olives. You can't make this stuff up. She gives her life to Christ, and then by the time we get to Greece, that little stream that she just got baptized in is where Lydia gave her life to Christ and was baptized near Philippi. I mean, here's Jill with a testimony like no other, but here's what I'm saying. All because one guy chased down another guy to share with him the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then the story just rings up from there. That's like the book of Acts, right? So that's what we're going to be about, church. No matter how many thousands, no matter what else is going on, the chaos that might ensue, we're excited about every individual story that God is doing, similar to Travis. So Travis, I want you to pop up here, because speaking of Dubuque and what God's doing, not just here, but in Dubuque, uh, Travis is a huge part of that. So come and give us the word, Travis. Thanks, Jeff. Okay, so, yes, I'm Travis, and yes, my family and I were moving to Dubuque. Um, it's crazy, and Dubuque's listening in this morning, so hey, everybody. Um, well, so this is one of those days where we stop, and we look back, and we look ahead, right? That's what Mark's saying, that's what Jeff's saying. And so, I'm inviting you this morning in your life to do the same thing. So just take, take time and stop and think about where you've been and think about where you're going next. And so the question I ask you is, how did you get here and where are you going? Right? Those are the two questions I'm, I'm asking you this morning. How did you get here and where are you going? 
And so Jeff talks about the book of Acts. It starts with these big stories of thousands, right? And then it zooms in on individual stories. Well, part of the Veritas story is my story. Like, this church has been a huge transformational part of my life. So my story is the Veritas story in many ways. And so, but in order for me to tell that, I have to tell you how I got here. And I have to tell you about myself before I came to Veritas. And so I'm going to be referencing the Great Commission this morning, Matthew 28. So you can go ahead and flip there if you want. But first, we get to, you get to hear my previous Great Commission. Do any of you guys have your own Great Commission? I, had, I used to have my own Great Commission. So we get to read. You can throw it up on the screen. This is my old Great Commission. All authority has been given to me over the matters of my life because I'm an adult. <laughs> I will go, therefore, to Boston and be a music disciple. I will eventually make a name for myself, convince people to love and serve me, and teach them how important I am and talented I am. And remember, all the famous musicians before me had to work hard and earn it. Nothing in life is free. Nobody's with me. This is all on me. Nothing but grit and determination will bring me the success I deserve. P.S. Also, this will finally make me happy and vindicate the insecurities I've had since high school. Okay, I think Izzy threw that in there just to mess with me. Okay, yeah, a little too, little too honest at the end there. So here's the thing. There's three things you have to know about that Great Commission about me. First, it's so true, it's almost embarrassing. It's so true. I was completely determined to go be a big deal, and I thought, getting into this grad school and moving to Boston is going to solve all these problems for me. It's so true. Second, I'm not picking on musicians. We have great musicians here, right? You can be a musician and love Jesus. I can't, but you might be able to. Okay, and then third, I would have said the whole time in my life that I was a Christian and that I was saved when I was seven and I gave my life to Jesus and Jesus died for my sins on the cross and I'm forgiven. I would have said that the whole time I was doing that. And I actually tried this. I actually got into a grad school, moved to Boston, and I thought, man, my life's going to be set. This is the key, right? Well, in Boston, it didn't go well. I was there for a couple years. After one year, I was in more sin than I had ever been in my life, and I was also completely depressed and empty. I was probably getting closer and closer to that dream than I'd ever been, and yet I was completely empty on the inside. So from there, from that starting point, there's a night where I look over and I see my Bible, and it's, it's on my nightstand, and it's been there the whole time, right? I haven't read it, but it's been there the whole time. And so one night I decide, peel it open page one. And so from here, I have to kind of tell the story a little quicker, but there's the scene where I start reading my Bible, right? There's the scene where I meet this girl, and she loves Jesus, and then there's the scene where she puts me in the friend zone, if you know what that is, because I didn't love Jesus enough, and 
I start going to church with her more, and eventually, her name is Gabriella, and eventually we get married, and, and um, there's this scene where I move to Iowa, and I start coming to Veritas, and I start meeting some people who are actually submitting their lives to Jesus, and there's a guy named Dale Mullican who starts challenging me and saying, are you actually reading the Bible and responding to it with your life? And there's a scene where I actually start trying and putting my life under the authority of the Bible. And I, I begin actually praying, right? This is all because of Veritas. I'm here. This is because of Dale. I'm praying and I'm holding my hands up and saying, God, will you forgive me? I'm willing to change. I'm willing to give up this sin. I'm willing to follow you. I'm willing to be healed. Finally, right? God starts going to work in my life. So now, right now today, I find myself going to Dubuque to be a pastor. And I'm not trying to pitch everyone that this is all about, you know, working for a church or anything like that. I'm just saying, if God can take me out of where I was in Boston and put me where I am now, right, it's only on God. It's not on me. I'm saying throughout the whole time, God was using his word and using people who love him to loosen my own grip that I had on the plans for my life. And my Great Commission started withering away. And so I come to the real Great Commission, Matthew 28. So how does this word confront you, right? God's word started confronting me in my life. How does this word confront you today? This is Matthew 28, starting in verse 16 through 20. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. But when they saw him, sorry, when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember... I am with you always to the end of the age. That's Jesus' great commission. It's a little better than mine, right? So first thing we have to observe, verse 16. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. Don't skip over that verse too fast. The disciples showed up where Jesus asked them to show up. That is way more than I was willing to do in my life. If you're here today, great job. You showed up. Good for you. God brought you here. That's how you got here. Jesus directed you here. Verse 17, then they worshiped him, though some doubted. So the commentators say this is likely the 11 disciples were the ones worshiping, and there was probably an additional crowd, right, that was more, more likely the people who were doubting and so I'm thinking, like, in my previous commission, in my previous life, I, I might have shown up if I knew Jesus was going to be somewhere, but I probably would have been someone doubting and not worshiping. So that's another question you can ask yourself. Are you one of the worshipers or are you one of the doubters? Even when Jesus draws near, do you lean into worship or do you lean into doubt and questioning? Okay, verse 18, Jesus talks, but this is interesting. This is the Great Commission, right? Jesus is about to talk, and he's about to tell us all what to do. What's the first thing Jesus says? 
verse 18. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That's the first thing Jesus says. See, in my, my old great commission, I was the authority. That was where I started. That was my starting place, was I was the authority. And this is a hard one for us Americans. We love our freedom. We love to be the authority and to do what we want. But we are not free to just do whatever we want, right? We are free to come and worship. Now, finally, in verse 19, he says the word go, right? And if you think of the Great Commission, a lot of people, this might be the first word you think of, go. But the next word is therefore. It's almost like he's saying, just in case you forgot what I just said, go therefore. Go under Jesus' authority is what he's saying. In case you ever try to quote this out of context, you have to say, go therefore. And then you can ask, wait, what's that mean? Go, but not forgetting under whose authority you go. That's what he's telling his disciples here. So he says, go to the nations. To the people who don't know about Jesus, everyone outside of the kind of the Jewish culture, disciple them, baptize people, teach them to obey everything Jesus commanded. Well, here's the thing. In my Great Commission, I was doing a lot of this Great Commission. I was going, I was teaching, I was being taught, I was discipling people. But what was the problem? I left Jesus out of it, right? I left Jesus out of my commission. My life without Jesus took me somewhere. I went somewhere, right? I went to Boston, and I went to be a musician, and uh, it brought me lower than anything else I'd ever done in my life. So what's the point of my story? The point is just this. It's not about me being a pastor. It's not even about, it's, it's not about me going to Dubuque, right? It's just about the fact that once I was willing to follow Jesus led. Once I was willing, Jesus led me. So I think the difference is about being willing. And so I still haven't talked about where we're going yet, right? So where are you going? Well, here's the thing. I think that's a bad question. I think there's a better question we could ask. Because we do need to talk about where we're going, but I think there's a better way to focus on where we're going. The question is, the better question is, who are you following? That's a way better question than where are you going? Think about the Great Commission. It talks about going. It talks about baptizing. It talks about teaching. But all of these words are arrows toward this word disciple and, and what discipling means. We talk about it at Veritas all the time. A disciple is a learning follower of Jesus. So if you're going, if you're baptizing, you're teaching, but if you're doing it for the wrong purpose, it, it doesn't matter. What matters is if all of these things are an arrow pointing to Jesus. Because here's the thing. I'm going to Dubuque, right? We've talked about that enough. You all get it. Dubuque, it's great. But there's a problem. Going to Dubuque isn't amazing. Why? Well, one reason is I already went to Dubuque. I moved last week. My stuff's already there. Now what do I do? Right? Just going isn't enough. What am I going to do when I get there? Jeff, he goes to Zambia, right? Is that amazing? Well, just going to Zambia is not necessarily amazing. It's what he does when he gets there that's amazing. 
It's, it's him discipling. It's him talking to people about Jesus. It's if there's an arrow pointing back to Jesus that, that what we do is amazing. So church, you're here right now today, right? Take stock. Appreciate. You're in Iowa City. You got this building. God has brought you here. Where are you going next? Dubuque. You're sitting in Blades Chapel. I know, we don't own it. We're renting it. But we got somewhere to meet, right? God brought us there. Where's he going to take us next? Well, like I said, here's how you answer that question of where are you going next. You ask a different question. Who are you following? And the cool thing about this is the Great Commission sometimes sounds lofty and like too big of a deal. It's too hard for just the average Christian to just do that. Well, I don't think so. I think it's for anyone. So my last point this morning is just this is for anyone, to anyone willing to follow Jesus. He will lead you. As a church here, Veritas, Iowa City, where you're going, right? Dubuque, where we're going. To anyone, where, where you're going, if you're willing to follow Jesus, he will lead you. So, as I close in prayer, church, I'm just asking you that question. In your life, are you willing? Are you willing to loosen your grip on the plans you have for your life and follow Jesus? Let's pray. Lord, I, I pray for everyone here in Veritas and Iowa City and even just to take time right now to reflect on their lives and, and where they've been and to be aware of that question of where, where are they going? Where are you going? But also to just take a, take a minute to in fact, I invite you just to hold your hands out now. I, I just remember the day I finally did this physical posture with my body. I just held my hands out. I said, God, take, take from me whatever you need to take from me and give me whatever you need to give me. So church, just invite Jesus right now through prayer. Hold your hands out and just invite him to take if he needs to take from you. And invite him, though, to give what he needs to give you. And trust him. Seek him in his word and in prayer. Jesus, we seek you in your word and in, in prayer. Would we do that daily? And would we focus on following you? Because we don't know how to lead ourselves. When I tried to lead myself, I took myself to Boston and it didn't work out. So, Jesus, I pray, and I hope that it's you leading me to Dubuque. Jesus, I pray for Veritas, Iowa City. You're going to lead this church. I'm so excited to see what you do with this church, even if I see it from a distance, from Dubuque. I'm excited to see what, what you do with our church, too. So, Lord Jesus, just come to this place and lead. Lord, we love you. Amen. So this morning is, uh, is an invitation. It's an invitation to jump in and be a part of what God is doing. Um, God has brought us to kind of a fork in the road as a church as he grows us, as he blesses us. And the question is, what do we do? And Veritas, here's what we do. Um, we keep doing what we've always done, right? 
whether we're in a hotel or a high school auditorium or somebody's living room or a big auditorium, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to preach the word. We're going to make real disciples of Jesus Christ. That's why we exist as a church. And what an opportunity. It's, it's uh, the Austins and Travises and Ellie's and Gabriella's, right? It's, the, uh, it's, it's these people whose lives are being transformed by the good news about Jesus. And, and right now there's a church watching up in Dubuque, right? Because as the disciples follow Jesus, they're like, wow, if the blessing has come to us, it's got to go through us, right? And so many of you are going to be going to the ends of the earth, and that's what we're going to continue to do, make disciples, plant churches uh, among all nations. And, and so this morning is an, is an invitation. So what about those of us uh, who aren't going? What's the plan for us, right? Because some people are going to go, and more people are going to come in. And so our problem still isn't solved, right? What are we going to do, church? What do we do? What's next for us? I want to share a little bit about what's on our heart for what's next. Um, if you go to the next one, how we've been preparing, you see one, we got to focus on, on who we are. But number two, um, we want to aggressively pay down debt on this facility. A couple years ago, we came and said, hey, we're going to do an Advent offering over the next three, you know, Decembers. And uh, as a couple years ago, we've done two Advent offerings. We have one more. Uh, and we've just been aggressively paying down our debt. And God has provided in some really cool ways, at least to the, uh, well, the third thing we're, we've been doing to prepare for what's next is number three, we, when we purchased this land, we purchased 21 acres, what that looks like. Look at this picture uh, to give you a sense of, uh, here we are in Forever Green. Um, I, I remember um, we were, I was standing somewhere in this cornfield down here. Uh, it was just cornfield, there was no way to get to this piece of land. And uh, so we kind of off-roaded it, and we're standing there with the developer, Scott, and he's like, Mark, um, people are gonna think that your leadership team is absolutely crazy for like five years. And then they'll think you're the smartest people that ever lived, right? <laughs> uh, because as we see this, this area just exploding, this is one of the fastest growing parts of Iowa in the whole state and our school district, and it's growing in around us, but we bought the 21 acres uh, to prepare for what's next. So, um, so the fourth thing we've been doing is we just started uh, working with an architect and we're making plans for expanding our facilities. And so uh, over the summer, we're gonna be um, trying to dial that in and hopefully when you come back in the fall, uh, we'll share some plans. Now it's gonna be a little better than this plan, but it gives you a sense of scale. Uh, the gray box over the top of the white one is, that's not what it's gonna look like. But um, just to give you a sense of scale, so we're talking about a new auditorium. Um, probably twice the size of this. Um, we need to make room for more people, right? We, we just are out of space. Now, some of you are like, wait, there's space here. Um, we do three services every week. And the question of, is three services working? Well, we don't love it because it doesn't facilitate what we really want, which is relationships. I mean, you guys come in, and as soon as this is over, you're like, I got to get out to my car because there's a line of traffic going all the way up 380 to the next exit or whatever, right, to empty out the parking lot for the next group. Um, it's, not, it's not great. This is not 
really what we want, to just herd people in and out, because really our church is about relationships, and we would love to go back to two services, and that's just going to require more space. There's no way around it. So, um, so when you guys come back in the fall, and you'll be seeing more designs and, and what we're talking about there, but we're preparing for this, this next thing. So guys, next year's budget. Our, our budget cycle goes from, it starts July 1st. It's kind of, that's our fiscal year, July 1st through June 30th. And in this next budget, you guys, we, we're taking a huge step of faith. We are increasing our budget $446,000 next year to prepare for what God has. And it's not just about building. It's about staff to help with discipleship, the ministries, on the, the growing kids ministry, the growing youth ministry, um, more residents and interns coming on staff, more people going to full-time. And so that's, uh, that represents like $37,000 a month of just increase to what we're already doing. You guys, the only way we're going to get to what's next is if every single person jumps into this. So our goal is not to get, you know, uh, do like a one-time fundraiser or pledge. We're trying to build into our budget um, for whatever's next. And for that, we need every single person. Like the person sitting in your chair, we need you to participate. And the most practical way, if you're not giving, uh, we want you to give, to experience the joy of giving. That, that's an obvious step number one. Because we, we need, like, if you don't jump in, like, it's not going to happen. We corporately need to take a step of faith to lean into what God's doing. And if you're excited about what God is doing in Zambia, in the remotest parts of the earth, if you're excited about Dubuque uh, and, and the church is being planted, if you're excited about uh, reaching the next generation with Salt Company, if you're excited about the next, you know, Austin's and Ellie's and Travis and Gabriella's, it, what God is doing in your own life, jump into this. And you guys, you know why we're building a new auditorium? It's because it, our vision is not just like, we don't want you just to be loyal Veritas customers. We want you to be faithful Christ followers. And I'm just excited, and I hope you are, about who are the people that are going to get baptized in the new auditorium? Can you think of somebody in your life right now that you would love to get in the, in the baptismal with and just, just baptize them? Somebody that right now is so lost, you think there's no way my professor, there's no way my coworker, there's no way my roommate, there's no way my brother or sister or mom or dad. Look at Austin with his mom in Philippi baptizing her. That's really what we're excited about. Not just more seats and a, oh, Veritas. No, you guys already know. We don't want the hype train. We want real followers of Jesus. And so this morning is an invitation to you. We are asking you to come on board and follow Jesus. And if right now, I, I just want to ask this question. Are you really following Jesus this morning? Or are you kind of just 
a spectator, safe distance from Jesus. Like you, you're, obviously you're here, so you like what God's doing. But are you really following Jesus this morning? What's it going to look like then for you to take a step, that next step of faith? The punchline of this is not just give to Veritas because there's, there's way bigger things, areas of obedience in your life too that God is calling you to. But, but we just, this morning is an invitation to take that next step of faith wherever it is. Uh, and so I wanna just end with this story. I was talking to my uncle and uh, he, he's uh, in his late 70s. He served in the Vietnam War. And he said, he was telling me this story uh, last week. And he said, Mark, when I um, was called to, to Vietnam, my numbers were called. Obviously, it was devastating for my parents, my, my grandparents, his parents. And, and he said, I remember um, getting on the plane. And I walked to the, the plane. You know, it was just some stairs going up onto the plane. And he said, I was walking up the stairs, headed toward this dangerous war zone. And I look back. And I see my parents, and they were crying. And he said, you know, uh, they were probably, you know, he said, Grandma March, she was probably planning my funeral. And he said, as much as, much as they loved me and wanted, to, wanted me to be safe, there's nothing they could do because they couldn't be there with me. And he said, and I turned around and I got on the plane and I heard Jesus say to me, and he's like, I don't think it was audible, but I know this was his voice. He said, Roger, welcome aboard. And he said, my response was, lead on, O King Eternal. And he said, so now when I get in an unknown situation, a scary situation, I get anxious or a new job or a new situation, he says, I can hear the voice of Jesus saying, welcome aboard. And he said, and I always say, lead on, King Eternal. And so I want to invite you as we close in prayer to say that to Jesus, lead on, King Eternal. And what is that going to mean for you? What's it going to mean for you? Let's, let's pray together. You know, I have, I have no idea where you're going. I have no idea what is causing you fear or anxiety or what your version of Boston is or what your version is of Travis's great commission to himself. But right now, I'm, I'm just inviting you to take all your plans for your life. Take your own personal great commission and just crumple it up, throw it in the trash and say, Jesus, lead on, O King Eternal.
Jesus, we want to follow you as a church. We want to walk in faith. We don't want to try to dam it up and fortify it. God, we want to, we want to go and we want to make disciples. We want to baptize and teach. We want to be salt in this world, light, a city that shines on a hill. So lead on, King Eternal. Lead on, King Eternal. Would you guys stand with us? We're just going to close in, in worship.